Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for uh, January 27th, 2019. Welcome uh, to uh, give you a little insight uh, uh, as to uh, where we are here at Holy Family, where, where we record this. Uh, we just had our annual meeting uh, at the uh, the nine o'clock hour. So that's where we are in our cycle. We're, uh, we're, we're officially uh, approved. Uh, to spend money and to receive money uh, in 2019, uh, and uh, we have new slates of uh, individuals serving on on our vestry, and and uh, people signed up for diocesan convention, and and so that's where we're at. Um, so if you are a member of Holy Family and uh, weren't able to make it out, we had a little bit of a snow and ice storm. Uh, <laughs> a wee bit. A wee bit. <laughs> Uh, not as bad as they were forecasting, so that's mm-hmm. that was good. But uh, there were several people who weren't able to, to come out. So uh, if we if we missed you this Sunday, this past Sunday, uh, we missed you. And mm-hmm. uh, if you are not a parishioner of a Holy Family, uh, the uh, um, uh, thank you for joining us. But we're uh, in 2019. We're it's I think it's safe to say our budget is a little is is tight. So uh, if you enjoy this kind of pro- uh, podcast, this uh, this kind of um, um, I was going to say production value, but that's almost <laughs> laughable. Um, but uh, this content, uh, uh, feel free if, if you want to uh, give to the church. This is done uh, completely free for uh, to the church, uh, expense free. So, uh, but one of the things that we'd love to be able to do is some more outreach and and to be able to uh, fund some more things to uh, to reach out to the local community. So, if you feel so inclined, feel free to go to our website at www.hfec.org. Uh, you can uh, give uh, give there. You can direct uh, any additional giving uh, if you if you so so wish. But uh, but uh, but yeah, well, that's that's kind of where we're at. And it was mm-hmm. we had a great 2018. We called you right. here, which was fantastic, Bruce. I'm very blessed to be here. And uh, and uh, and uh, now we're now we're, uh, we're 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 off and running. We're we're really right. starting trying to fire on all cylinders and and, and getting. So that's that's uh, that's where we are in a nutshell. I probably should have done that at like the top of 2019, but uh, annual meeting feels a little bit more uh, official that we can <laughs> say where we are and where we're going. Um, but uh, so, anyways, uh, thanks for joining us uh, today. Like I said, and with that, I'll get into um, our uh, our underwriting sponsor uh, this week. As everybody cringes in anticipation, today's podcast is underwritten by Original Sin. Find yourself dreaming of winning the lottery so you can swim in $100 bills, Scrooge McDuck style? Do you covet your neighbor's yard? Do you sometimes not do or say the right thing? It's not your fault. Blame Original Sin. Yes, Original Sin, your scapegoat for all things you aren't proud of about yourself. Have blemish blemish issues on your face? Thanks, Original Sin. Did your car need work done? That's Original Sin's doing right there. Did your cat run out of the house again? Curse you, Original Sin. No more blaming your missing homework on the dog. It's Original Sin's fault. So don't forget to blame all your problems on Original Sin today. Now comes in venti and grande sizes. Oh! <laughs> so uh, Original Sin, uh, uh, Bruce, not a, uh, not necessarily anything... Um, I'm not entirely sure that, 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 that as Episcopalians, we believe in the concept of original sin officially. Well, part of the fun of being an Episcopalian is that we try to put boundaries around what we officially believe to 
make sure that we have as much um, that we stick to the essentials uh-huh. and continue to discuss everything else uh, for centuries. So our doctrine officially is simply the Nicene and uh, Nicene Creed, Apostles Creed, and Athanasius Creeds. Uh-huh. That we have not developed a statement of faith or anything like that beyond that. That we have a catechism and things like that. But those aren't required. Um, even reading, let alone believing. But with original sin, there are Episcopalians that believe in it. There are those that don't, and probably quite a few on both extremes don't agree on even what it means. So there's that caveat. I, I was going to say, uh, we should probably also uh, make sure that we uh, can come close to defining the term. Uh, and, and, and I know you will feel free to correct me because I'm usually <laughs> needing correcting. But uh, original sin, the concept that uh, the original sin in the Garden of Eden uh, carries on through all generations and you're born inherently sinful as a result. Is that that's pretty good about? Yeah, that Adam and Eve eating of the forbidden fruit, something was an act that then, yes, was passed on through all the generations of humanity. Mm -hmm. It even within the earliest um, explanations and development of the concept of original sin, though, it was more, the biggest concern is why do people continue to do bad stuff? Mm. And that is a concern that, that most Christians carry, regardless of their opinion about the concept of original sin. And, but original sin is basically the idea that we have within us so much selfishness that we left to our own devices, do bad things. Hmm. That we look out for our own interests rather than the good of the whole or let alone even one other person. And so without God, without the teachings of Christ, we are almost fated to do selfish bad things. And so in that way, that it's a, it's a model of why things are as they are that some people find very helpful. Others find it's a big obstacle, but we still, regardless of whether or not we believe in original sin with big capital letters and flashing neon lights, we still have to deal with the, it seems like extremely small, not small, the opposite, extremely large capacity of humans to be selfish Mm. and not loving their neighbor as themselves and not loving God with their, their entire being. I'll say, uh, at least for myself, uh, one aspect of original sin that that I do like, uh, that it, it drives home kind of the point of um, no matter what, you, you cannot do this on your own. You cannot right. become uh, uh, good and godly uh, just in – that's not within your own control. You need – God, you need Christ, you need these, this, those teachings, this community in order to achieve uh, um, uh, what you're looking to achieve. Because I think sometimes, at least it, I knew it was for me growing up, the, the, the church that I went to growing up, it almost felt like this was something that you sh- can and should be able to control, your, your, your sinful desires, your sinful nature. And um, um, one of the, like I said, one of the aspects of original sin is that kind of it takes that out of the equation of like you know what no matter what you can't right you can't, you can't do you can't do that you can't overcome the selfishness on your own right right so um so all other things aside i do kind of like that aspect of it because it allows us then 
takes that off the plate and allows you to focus on the grace of God and 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 uh, and how it's really uh, God bridging that gap between right uh, um, you you and you and him. So um, you and you and God and you and doing well. Doing, right. doing good things. Right. And kind of shifts the focus on maybe things that at least me personally, I feel are, are more important. So, right. So, so anyways, okay. So original sin, thank you. Original sin. Um, <laughs> they might not come back as an underwriting sponsor. anymore. <laughs> I'm done with them. <laughs> if only we were, <laughs> uh, but, uh, okay. So, um, this week's readings. Let's, uh, launch. let's let's jump into it. Nehemiah verses eight or verses. I know how I know how verses work, <laughs> Bruce. There are lots of them. Uh, we do skip around a little bit here, uh, so I might ask you about that. But uh, chapter eight, verses one through three, five and six, eight through ten are, are what the official lectionary right. readings are. So, and that reads this way: All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read it from facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday into, in the presence of the men and, and the women and all those uh, who could understand and the ears of all the people who Oh, sorry, man, I'm not reading well. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with the faces to the ground. Uh, so they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord our, your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord God. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So as I read this, it kind of reminded me a little bit of something that we experienced this morning, which was it almost sounds like minutes from a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way before, but yes, it does. <laughs> Ezra came, he brought the book, he opened it, everyone stood. You know, the meeting was called to order mm -hmm. on the seventh day. Of the, you know, and, and, and uh, I guess in a way that it's kind of it, that aspect of it is interesting because it gives you kind of a historical context. This is not just like, uh, this is not necessarily a passage that says, oh, one time this happened. Uh, this is not necessarily a story uh, that is, you know, passed around uh, campfire style or, you know, you know, one day this this miraculous thing. Huh? This is very his like they're attempting historical accuracy as they're writing this, which is kind of interesting that they took the extra time uh, for it. But um, so I had a couple of questions here. Uh, if I can just interrupt. Sure. Briefly before please, your question. Always do. You're a lay person. I'm an Episcopal priest. And I think what you just... The lay of lay. Yes. 
And I think there's an interesting perspective in, and, and I totally understand that reminds me of annual meeting. To me, it reminded me of a worship service, mm-hmm. that, particularly the gospel procession that yeah. we have okay. where the deacon walks into the midst of the congregation and reads, in our case, from the gospel mm-hmm. instead of from the Torah, as we have in this reading. But mm-hmm. in the reading, everyone stands up. In um, our service, everyone stands up for the reading of the gospel. So it's, I think that some of it just has to do with our two different orientations within the church. Very, very, very possible. Yeah, yeah. no, and, and, I, and I see that point of view. Yeah. I, I, I can see, see And that. I certainly see yours. Um, so, so one part of this reading that I like uh, um, <laughs> is uh, in verse 8, um, where uh, they say, they gave the sense. those who heard this they you know they they they, uh they read from this book the law of god from the law of god with interpretation so there was a Mm -hmm. little like implication that they expounded upon it a little bit and 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 gave a little bit of interpretation as this how you should interpret this but they gave them the sense well the and one thing that's interesting is that term interpretation in Hebrew, it could be interpretation. Mm-hmm. It could also be translation. Oh, so it's okay. possible that the Levites were translating from the Hebrew in which the Torah was written to Aramaic, which would have been the native the everyday native tongue, from... tongue uh-huh. of the people listening. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's the same dynamic of explaining to the people what's being read. So in a way, that could also be interpreted as uh, this. Th- they're we acknowledge the caveat of we're translating, we could be translating from one language to another. So just in case, you know, for historical purposes, again, just in case we got that wrong, that's the reason why. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they would have given themselves that. We were interpreting on the fly. Give us a little credit <laughs> if we said it wrong. Just like as I, as I realized, as I, I was reading, uh, I, there were a couple of spots where I added words by mistake or <laughs> subtracted them, which always happens, uh, yeah. you know, regardless. That uh, ancient challenge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is funny. Sometimes it can uh, definitely change the, in, in certain spots, the tonality of, of, of uh, the words written. Yeah. Um, but uh, so anyways, I like, I like that phrase, the phrase, they gave the sense. Yes. Uh, knock the sense into them. Uh, I also like how later on down, um, I don't know. Again, this is my funky interpretation, but uh, uh, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law, it was so well done <laughs> that, uh, you know, Bruce, your homily brought me to tears today. That's that's they really laughed, what the, they cried. They, they changed laugh. their lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that little ad, ad, to me. That seems like an additive by the uh, by the author of like it, it was so good. <laughs> You don't even know how good the reading of the book of the law was. Oh my gosh, you should have been there. Um. <laughs> but there is another connotation here. Oh, I'm sure there, there is. is. I like mine better. Let's just leave it. No, it's I'm not bad. I'm it's not kidding. bad. <laughs> and, it, and it actually can fit. Um, but it really probably is more to do with the folks saying, oh, we didn't know. Oh, okay. That, you know. That's how we're supposed to do this. This is how we're supposed to live. This is the relationship we're supposed to have with God. Hmm. Oh, we didn't know. And we feel so ashamed, embarrassed, convicted, guilty that we're weeping. Huh. Well, in a way, I kind of like I, I, I kind of like that interpretation, too, because uh, at least for myself, I find myself uh, feeling maybe not moved to tears per se uh, uh, because I'm, I'm a hardened man uh, <laughs> deep down inside, uh, which is totally not true. But uh, you know, just that 
a lot of times I'll be, even though I've heard some of these stories before, I'll be reminded of it in a new, interesting way uh, uh, where I've lost, you know, I've, I've, maybe I've forgotten this passage or mm-hmm. maybe I've forgotten this call from, from Christ as he talked to the disciples in, right. in this one instance and like, oh yeah, that's right. I should be, you know, I should be considering this. I should be thinking that and how we need reminders and in a way that's kind of why we have the weekly re- lectionary there's mm-hmm. you know there's the daily cycle of prayer you know there, it's it's because we we need to be reminded and that's, that's right. interesting um and and they're they're weeping you know the response of nehemiah is to tell them to celebrate mm-hmm. to, to have a little feast here because now we know this right and now we have an even deeper relationship with god because we are embracing the covenant with God, right? And and uh, I'm also encouraged to eat the fat, uh, right? So so when my wife yells at me for don't eat that part of the the steak, that's gross. Mm. Nehemiah, Nehemiah says because <laughs> I'm not a big fan of sweet wine though. So you know well, you 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 do some right and you do some wrong. Um, but uh, um, I also am inclined to ask more of a geographical question uh, in that it starts off kind of painting the picture of where they're at mm-hmm. and mentions the water gate, yes. which is, which is capitalized. So it's, it's definitely like a place, the proper term, a, a very specific yeah. place, not just like, uh, Oh, that's the, you know, every town has this. It mm-hmm. probably is like a specific to the area that they're at. What is like the, the water gate and what's the, the significance of it being mentioned? The significance of it is that it's the gate on the Eastern side of Jerusalem. Okay. And therefore right there at the temple location. Mm-hmm. And so it was a place where those people who, for various reasons, would have been ritually defiled, it was the closest they could come to the temple. Oh, okay. And so consequently, this was an inclusive... So this was very, this was kind of like an intimate setting in a way, uh, because because that's, that's, you know, this isn't like out in the town square. This is This is close to... This was kind of inviting them in. It's, well, it was inviting that's... them close to the temple, but I wouldn't say it was an intimate setting because it's um, on the, the edge of the Mount of Olives and the gate's huge. Oh, okay. okay. And it, I'm trying to think of an equivalent. It's like the free, one of the freeway exits for the Holy of Holies. <laughs> that you know, a lot of things. Ex- exit 205. Through. Yes, exit 205. <laughs> go right to the tavern. To, to the Holy of Holies. Um, and so, and so there was actually quite a bit of room for people to gather outside this gate and somewhat of a natural amphitheater effect. Hmm. So they'd be able to, to hear the reading of the Torah and it would not be restricted simply to the people who were in um, good standing with the temple and the rules as they understood them to that point. This was a reading for everyone and mm-hmm. it was accessible to everyone. Um, I think is what I believe the symbolism of it being at the water gate. Okay. Um, also talking about the men, the women, and those who could understand, is that the author's way of saying children of a decent enough age? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then uh, um, out of curiosity, cause I don't have it here. I'm reading off of a, uh, you know, the lectionary off of a, off of my cell phone. Cause um, you're a modern person. I'm a modern person <laughs> like that. Uh how come we skipped over verses uh, four and seven? There, those are recitations of the names of the Levites. Oh, okay, and so it was the this, the decision by the lectionary designers to skip those names 
was presumably because someone hearing the, these names being read out loud, first of all, it would have been challenging to read, mm-hmm. but that they might serve as too much of a distraction to the congregation to, wait, wait who's that guy? What, so, did so, he say that right? So this is the authors of the lectionary uh, uh, saying yada, yada, yada. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I like it. I, I like. Yeah. So it's not some hidden knowledge. It's just right, 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 right. naming of. Oh, people. we don't want we don't want our first nurse to know. That. Right. Right. <laughs> what? That one's secret. Yeah. <laughs> Verse seven is secret. And, and the only sad part about skipping those names is, as we've talked about in one of the prior podcasts, names are important mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. God and to one's relationship with God and uh, to identity and all that. So we we do lose a little bit of that. But I realize there's a practical dimension of reading Hebrew names to, in our case, an English-speaking congregation could be a distraction. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. So it's so it's helping us hone in and focus on the point. And, and right. Despite being encouraged to eat the fat, we trim it from the, uh, from the election. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Any Anything else on Nehemiah? No. Other than a, it's a fantastic book. And as, before we were recording, you were pointing out uh, uh, it kind of goes in conjunction with the book of Ezra. Ezra right. So, yeah. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah are considered probably to be by the same author and cover a lot of the same events. Um, and it does follow... The reading we had last week from Isaiah, mm-hmm. where the uh, people of Israel had returned from Babylonian captivity, had started to rebuild the temple, and now were struggling, as they had started to struggle with last week, struggling with how do we live as God's people? How do we live as people of faith okay. now that we're no longer in captivity? Gotcha. So this is the next chapter of... Yeah. And okay. they didn't have access to the Torah while in Babylonia for the most part. So Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so that would that would inform us a lot more as to why they w- would weep. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, this was news. They they had not had this for yeah. in in some cases probably their entire life, uh, an right. entire generation or or two. Yeah, I'm roughly trying to remember generation. I'm trying to remember how long that was, but yeah, it, it was um there there'd be people who literally had never taken pl- heard never this heard and this. and never taken part of the service in such a way. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. I say that a lot. That's interesting. But it really is. That's a good thing to say about the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Boring. That's boring. Let's move on. (laughs) Names, genealogies, yada, yada, yada. All right. So uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 12 to 31a. Which means halfway through verse 31. That's all. Right. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would make that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? It, it as it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with great honor. And our, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more res respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater, greater, greater honor <laughs> to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. So um, I would love to take credit and say, like, uh, I, I referenced this passage last week knowing that it was coming up. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is I didn't. So it's kind of interesting to see that um, just like we discussed last week, uh, there was there was a, another list talking about um, um Power with spiritual, spiritual gifts, gifts and power within mm -hmm. the, the the new the, the burgeoning church there, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, um, it was it was kind of uh, one talking of equality, and I had referenced this one and saying right. that this one isn't so much equality; it's a, acknowledging that uh, we're all part of a larger goal, and that not any of these gifts are necessarily greater or lesser, even though. Actually, further on, I forgot about this part. Further on down the list, it does kind of imply that some of these gifts are greater than others because it says first this, first apostles, second prophets are, are appointed by God. So God first does apostles uh, and second. And that, of course, was a title that Paul claimed for himself. Right, right, right. So first is me, then it's, right. uh, then it's prophets, then third teachers. Uh, but he does go out of so he kind of acknowledges the power structure there, but then goes out of his because and, and I guess in a way I kind of like this imagery better because there is a little bit of a structure to it. And to pretend like there's not almost I feel like does a disservice to uh, other members within any given congregation. But the the extra step of acknowledging that it does take all types it does take all gifts and some people are called like you are called to go to seminary and to uh, become a priest and that's not the calling for everybody it's right. very very important and far more rare uh, a gift and should be celebrated as such but to then turn around and say oh because you didn't go to seminary and you didn't answer you know a uh, call of God that way, you're a lesser person is also does a disservice because if, if everybody were priests, we'd just be sitting around <laughs> preaching to each other. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. what yeah. fun would that be? Um, uh, but, uh, but it really does take, you know, all types. And uh, um, again, to peel back a little bit of the layer of, uh, of our, our parish uh, just, uh, you know, just here in another week, I guess I, I will be stepping down as the senior warden. And that is a, that, that's a mantle that I've had for a while now, uh, which I'm looking forward to um, uh, taking a step back from. But mostly I'm looking forward to that because it provides an opportunity for others 
to come forward and to discern for themselves what gifts they have within this parish and how they fit into the larger equation. Yeah, share their gifts of leadership. Right, right, and uh, um, so that so it, it. I like I said, I like this imagery a little bit better because the body functions in such a fantastic, complicated way mm-hmm. um, that it requires every little. If it were a, if it were mechanical and and every little gear and sprocket has to fire and function uh, in in the right way in order for the body to work and it's 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 amazing that it does uh, um, and and so I like I said I like this this version a little bit better right so but that's me. <laughs> That's me. What, what what do you have? I talked a lot about First Corinthians yeah, here. Yeah, I'm glad I, you did. What, uh, what, what do you read in this? Well, to me, it's the counter to what's so common in at least my portion of American culture, which is a hyper-competitiveness in everything we do, mm-hmm. including our spiritual lives, that it talks about, because it talks about the need for every role to be fulfilled, there isn't a gold medal to be won by having a certain role within the Christian community. Right. Every single one of the the every single task, every single ministry, every single uh, t- uh, role to be fulfilled is of equal importance before God. Mm-hmm. And the closer we are within ourselves to seeing it that way, the healthier we'll be spiritually and probably emotionally as well, for that matter. Hmm. Yeah, no, it, that absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, and and I like I like how you point out there's there's no there's this is not uh, despite another passage which who knows maybe that's next week's uh, the the race to be won you know mm-hmm. run run the way uh, the race in such a way uh, but you know it, it yeah there's no there's no first first second third and last place right. finishes on this we're all striving towards one goal. And especially here at Holy Family, that you know that the it, we say it in the name. Uh, it, right. it, it is the goal is community, right? And you can't really have a community with uh, w- with that hyper competitive nature. It it mm-hmm. really it really um, would stress that um, that concept in in pretty pretty awful ways. I would think. Yeah, it would really twist around the whole meaning of Christian relationships. Right. So uh, so. It, in that regards, uh, uh, I want to I want to give my personal thanks to uh, those who are uh, looking to serve this next year. That we, we've called some more some new people to vestry. Sometimes this for some uh, this is a this is a return for others. This is like the first time, mm-hmm. um, but it really is uh, great to see people giving of themselves into something that they really care about. And this passage is is kind of what we we, we talk about. Um, as as far as uh, the goal of our, our little small congregation here in Fishers, Indiana, it's just, uh, we're just trying to live out, be in the body of Christ, and, and it even says it in our mission statement: the hands and feet, trying to be the hands and feet of uh, of Jesus. We need yeah. to go where where we're needed and serve as we're called. So um, this is uh, this is uh, this is us and this is our body in motion. Right. Well, and one of the nice things about Holy Family. Uh, and I've been here 10 months now, is there are not a lot of um, people, if any, who are in leadership or in ministry or any level of ministry, it seems like, to fulfill their own ego needs. 
Right. That people really are giving of themselves and, and we're all human, so no one does it perfectly. But I think this passage about being one body, but with all sorts of different members fulfilling all sorts of different functions is a, is a pretty good description of yeah. what I've come to love about Holy Family. Yeah. I feed my ego other ways. Yes. <laughs> Outside of these ones. <laughs> A lot of ego to feed too, uh, but uh, but but yeah. Anything else on on the body of Christ? Um, like a... I said, I, I did I did find it a little interesting that we we then did uh, he, in twenty verse twenty eight. He does create kind of a power structure. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and um, and I think a big reason for that is he's trying to protect the people in the community of Corinth from um, those who are claiming the last thing on the list of speaking in tongues. How so? That we heard more about it last week, but the people in the Christian community in Corinth who were speaking in tongues were saying clearly they were the holiest of anyone in the congregation and therefore should have the most power, authority, and decision-making um, roles. And so when Paul gives a list here, they are listed last. So this is uh, this is Paul putting into action uh, in Christ's own words, the first shall become last, yeah. and the last shall become first. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Yeah. And Paul says apostles are first. Mm-hmm. And as I said a few minutes ago, he claimed that title for himself. To be clear, he had the authority to put that makes the, sense. Okay. the people speaking in tongues at the bottom right. of the list. Right. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. This so, is what I say, and this is the reason why it matters. <laughs> and this is why you have to listen to you it. You have yeah. to listen to it. Yeah. Interesting. Paul, you sneaky author, you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, then on to Luke, on to the yeah, gospel Yeah, let's reading. go on to Luke. Chapter 4, verses 14 through 21 reads this way. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to procure... What is wrong with me today? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Um, so the 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 this is like a, this is like a, I, I like this passage because this is like a Chris Rock mic drop at the end. <laughs> yes, it is. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Um, but I do like that, that right before he does that, right, right before he has his mic drop in the uh, in, in in the reading, uh, it almost the author is the author Luke here is is uh, telling us the reader that um, you should anticipate this. Like everybody there was anticipating, like is that 
are you going to say something, Jesus? Uh-huh. You gonna, you uh-huh. know, they're waiting for him to be like, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, yeah, that's me. You got it. You got it right. Um, so it's kind of interesting that that's, it wasn't so much, and I, and I guess in a way that, that means it wasn't a mic drop. Everybody was anticipating him to say something further about that or looking mm-hmm. at him going like, you get the symbolism of what you just read, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and and part of it is, and of course, we don't know how much is simply literary device versus minute-to-minute, blow-by-blow description, mm-hmm. but you know, this is the shortest sermon in history that usually when, just like in today's churches and synagogues, when someone reads from Scripture, there is then a sermon. Or mm-hmm. a meditation, or a discussion, or a conversation, and oh, that's a good point. Okay, yeah. Instead, this... it's just, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, I challenge you to make a sermon as short. <laughs> I totally back down. <laughs> you're not gonna, you're not gonna take on Christ for the no. uh, Christ himself for the shortest sermon ever. Uh, no, I yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. That this that this because uh, um, I I was thinking of it from him being you know just kind of a, the the reader position setting up the right. priest within the synagogue to then uh, deliver that that part of the address to the congregation and everybody's it, it, so in that regard does that mean that verse twenty is is the entire congregation there in the synagogue is is uh, then turning and paying deference to him. Like, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. I don't care about, well, I don't care. I don't care about our priest. Like he can, he can sit down and be quiet. I want to know what you have to say about this. Right. Oh, right. interesting. And okay. which was not an uncommon event in synagogue worship at the time of Jesus, that basically whoever was invited to read from the scroll would often be the one who would reflect on it, would give what we would now call the sermon or homily about whatever the passage was. Why don't we do that now, Bruce? Well, some <laughs> churches do. <laughs> but, well, in fact, in um, many Episcopal churches, if there's not a deacon, whichever priest is going to give the sermon mm-hmm. will read the gospel in part hearkening back to this tradition mm-hmm. of whoever is giving the sermon should be the one who reads the gospel. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, so next Sunday, I'm not uh, going to be invited to read uh, and then deliver a sermon on uh, on that reading. No. However, bad. we will actually. Would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would actually. <laughs> we will actually do this style because the our deacon, who in the Episcopal Church, like in the Roman Catholic Church and others, has the first dibs on reading the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, our deacon will be reading the gospel and then giving the sermon. It's her turn's coming up on the preaching schedule. So we completely accidentally will be fulfilling this very practice that we hear about. Interesting. Yeah. No pressure, Kathy. You're right. <laughs> Kathy, I hope you listen to this so you realize we've referenced it. And if you want to just play this podcast for your sermon, you're more than welcome to. I mean, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Hey, half of us are ordained at this table. So. <laughs> I was going to say, let's have a little higher quality control. I'm sure Kathy would be much better than us. <laughs> I, I have no doubt. I have absolutely no doubt. Um, so anything else about the uh, um, th- this reading? I mean, obviously, this is this is early on in Luke, so this is kind of like the 
uh, that we're still kind of in the middle of his ministry uh, to, or the beginning, the, the beginning part of the, sorry. Yeah. I misspoke <laughs> the beginning part of his ministry uh, to, to, uh, to the region. And right. uh, um, this is, this is kind of like uh, another one of the jumping off points. We had the, the, the first miracle last week of mm-hmm. the water to wine. And uh, now it's, now it's kind of like his public announcement of uh, uh, he's, he's, he's running for Messiah. Uh, <laughs> this is a, his announcement of his candidacy. <laughs> No, not quite the same not mechanics. Quite. <laughs> but kind of. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Messiah is not an elected position. <laughs> but yeah, it, you should. It, they don't include it here in the reading. In, in, in the reading, uh, but uh, when when uh, uh, when uh, um, uh, Jacob uh, from their same congregation announced the week before, it was <laughs> met terribly. Uh, we met with a terrible cr- criticism and skepticism. Um, <laughs> Well, my good fellow, you clearly have not read beyond <laughs> these verses because the next thing that happens is the crowd getting very angry mm-hmm. that, that it, Jesus it, said this. That is true. And seeks to throw him off a cliff. That is true. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, so um, his proposed I can only platform. read what this website t- tells me is the lectionary reading, but I forgot that. That, that yeah. does uh, initially follow. So uh, I, I guess then I, that, that begs a question of that, that, that I want to ask is – in this verse, it it seems as though the people at the synagogue were waiting in anticipation. Does, does that interpretation then mean like they're waiting to see if he says something to get himself in trouble? And mm. then he does, and he he does say it, and then he does get in trouble, and he has to pro- flee pro- for his life? Probably not. Actually, he has to, arrest or, to run for his life or slip through the crowd for his life. Uh, it's probably more that they heard Jesus choose to read this passage he had mm-hmm. chosen to share this and then we're in anticipation that he was going to give the half hour to 45 minute sermon discussion oh yeah because uh, he sat down he gave the scroll back and then sat down yeah no well, like aren't you gonna say something <laughs> well and but sitting down is the teaching position in mm-hmm. the synagogue t- tradition at that time and in greek tradition as well oh, that's cool that the the teacher sits and then the students if it's a classroom type setting for the lack of a better term stand uh sit even sit on the floor mm-hmm. um sit on seats right raised up so the teacher sits so people can see him and hear him and Interesting. it's similar to our our action of stepping into a podium that's raised up mm-hmm. instead theirs was um lowered down it's literally just an architectural decision um, hmm. so jesus took in a sense stepped into the pulpit he sat down so people were anticipating a long teaching mm-hmm. and probably some question and answer, uh, which was part of and still is in many places the teaching style. And instead, they get this one sentence of "This has been fulfilled," mm-hmm. and does the mic drop to use your term from earlier? So this approach, this um, reaction by on, or by Jesus brings the reaction of the people gather of saying, wait a minute, this isn't enough. We want more. Hmm. You're, you're, some might have been thinking you're cutting short the sermon. It might have been as simple as that. For others, if they were thinking that Jesus as an individual was a much more miraculous person and therefore should follow up by producing rabbits out of his hat, 
mm-hmm. doing miracles in front of him. They would have been disappointed. Those who really did think he was a Messiah would have expected him to perhaps put forward a manifesto against the Romans and a call to rebellion, which was beginning to happen in the Galilean region. There were rebels in the hills, literally, Mm -hmm. at this point. So for him to simply talk about the setting of the captives free and the recovery of the side of the blind and the oppressed going free and claiming the year of the Lord's favor, that's a big come down. From what they were expecting, I, I, I guess so. So, in a way, all all were disappointed. By right, this. right. Uh, um, I guess, I guess that's a good, a really good point because, yeah, uh, he talks about setting the captives free, and he sits down and goes, "Done." <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm still not free. Like, exactly. what the, what the I'm heck? Still under you know? Roman captivity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I can understand some some disappointment that, that, then there, but I mean, obviously the the. The bigger picture was that, you know, this is, he's talking about, um, millennium to come, right. Millennium. Yeah. To come. And, and that what you're expecting is not how it's going to happen either is, is, is you need to rework your expectation as to, Mm -hmm. you know, the purpose of me being here and what we're going to be called to, to, to be right. That, that God's workings don't happen at the snap of our fingers. Mm Mm-hmm. That our expectations are usually the first thing we have to set aside in order to develop spiritually. Hmm. And to draw closer to God, we need to empty of our empty ourselves of our own selfish desires. And sort of going back to the original sin question in some ways. Hmm. The other thing to to note about this passage is that this is the only place in any of the Gospels that Jesus describes himself using this passage from Isaiah. And so Luke is choosing this to explain who Jesus is and how and who Jesus will be revealed to be through the rest of Luke's gospel. Hmm. So last week in John's gospel, it was the turning water into wine, was setting the table as to who Jesus is going to be revealed to be through the gospel of John. Mm-hmm. And now we have this passage about um, how Luke sees Jesus and how, what passage we need to have in our mind as we read through the rest of Luke. This, the lens to look through is this passage from Isaiah. Hmm. Interesting uh, points of view. Because that, yeah, that, that I, I have to constantly remind myself that they are, uh, these are from authors who were trying to get across very specific points. And uh, Luke, the physician, was... Uh, what, what, did he maybe uh, have less of the um, less stories of of miracles in his gospel? Are there he had more he had he... more stories of miracles than John did? Okay, uh, who? Because I was going to say that would kind of fit with like the physician uh, mindset of like it's not about the miraculous; it's about what he says. And yeah. but but I guess Sorry. I guess not. I guess that's not what he does. But at the time when those kinds of titles were given mm-hmm. to the gospel writers or the nickname of Luke the physician physicians being a physician was not a scientific pursuit okay it it really was more of a do your best and hope for a miracle (laughs) (laughs) 
So it was much more of a spiritual type of interesting. profession. Interesting. So yeah. the, the the lens we view things through right. uh, these days. Uh, uh, right. That's very interesting. You, it would not have been an impact. The physician would not have been an impassionate scientist. Gotcha. A lot closer to the to a shaman than yeah. a, than, than a than a uh, scientist. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Very good. Anything else? There's lots and lots more, but that should probably wrap it up for today. <laughs> We're a little over. Yeah, sure. Right. Sure. Uh, uh, like I said, uh, uh, we really appreciate you joining us uh, uh, this time for, for January 27th, 2019. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, have the pleasure of seeing you on Sunday to to uh, discuss this further. Feel free to... Uh, eight and ten. Yeah. Feel free to... Uh, uh, didn't you say that there, there'd be a, like, a Q&A session in, in, in the uh, synagogue style of worship? Maybe we should throw that That's in. up to the deacon. Maybe we should throw that out on the deacon. Just in, you know. <laughs> well, actually, in all honesty, after every service, that usually takes place informally. That, that's uh, true. During the, during the, 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 the greeting after yeah, the... Uh, a little social reception. time after church. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 true. That is, yeah, and I enjoy it tremendously. So and, uh, yeah, very good. You can ask questions in person. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, I'm Ben, and I'm Bruce, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.